You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Hey, this is the last part of our uh, relationship series. And um, the message we're about to hear, you know, deals with a subject that is, might be too mature for kids. So I know we already released the kids from the room here, but if you're listening to this on the podcast or watching on the video, um, just be mindful. Be mindful. We're, we're going to use the word S-C-X several times and uh, things of the like. Yes, we're going there. Things of the like. <laughs> All right. Um, but I want to start with a question. I want to start uh, with a question to you. And the question is, what so far in your life has framed, shaped, and affected your current picture of intimacy, of sexuality, and of happiness? So far in your life, what has shaped and molded that part of your life? Your picture of intimacy, your picture of sexuality. Today we're going to talk about intimacy and happiness. And that's the title of the message, Intimacy and happiness and what it looks like from a biblical perspective because uh, we, uh, we believe that God designed it with an intention. And uh, so what did God intend it to be? And if you are pursuing a godly lifestyle, if you're pursuing to live for God, you know, what's in store for you? What, what is it about this uh, part of your life that can be beneficial and good for you? Because some of you some of you, if you look back at your life and you try to answer that question for yourself, you will notice that you might have been shaped by brokenness. You might have been shaped uh, by somebody else who in their brokenness maybe stepped into your life and painted a picture that was not ideal. A picture of intimacy, of sexuality, that's not really what you intended or wanted to live for. You know, you should have had a picture, a God picture, uh, of what sexuality really is and what intimacy is meant to be. But, you know, from the start, it was, it was bent out of shape. You know, and maybe that part of you was shaped by an abusive relationship. or Maybe it was shaped by the porn industry. Or maybe it was shaped by magazines that reduced intimacy to a position of the body. While completely ignoring the position of the soul. The position of the heart. You know, so for you, if that's you, it's necessary to unlearn. If, 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 it, if you've had experiences in the past, it's, it's necessary to reconsider some of those standards. And it's necessary for all of us to periodically revisit how we see it because we are constantly being bombarded in our core beliefs. And we have to reconsider and re revisit our, co our core beliefs. What are the tenets of our life, the tenets that shape sexuality and intimacy in our lives and the way we see sex, right? So maybe if some of you here today, you've had to climb a mountain of fear. You have to go through hoops every time you engage in a relationship, every time you, you enter into a relationship because that foundation has been bent out of shape. And, and that has brought you fear. And the thought of leading a long life, a healthy relationship, scares you. 
The thought of actually engaging in a relationship that will, will last 10, 20, 30, 40 years. It scares you. You don't think it's attainable. You don't think you can do it. You don't think you're built for that. And maybe that's why. You know, some of you might have given yourself away too soon. Maybe some of you in the past might have compromised what you hoped would be a best picture. Not because you're easy or you have no standards, but because, you know, in your heart, your soul was sore. You know, your heart was bruised. Your spirit just needed healing. And you were hoping that love, that a relationship would heal that part of you. You were hoping for a love that could heal you. Or maybe for the same reasons, you went the opposite way. For the same reasons, because you were bruised and hurt and sore, you walked away from the idea of relationships and you said, I don't want this in my life at all. I don't want to enter into that part of my life again. And maybe you've denied relationships and you, you've said no to people, they now are living a great life. And you look at their lives, and they're living with somebody, and they're enjoying their lives. And now you regret. You feel like you missed out. And you feel like, man, if, if it wasn't for this bruise and this pain in my heart, that could have been me. I'm missing out. If it weren't for my heart being so broken, I could have been enjoying that kind of life. But I can't. And you feel like you're trapped. See, our heart today is to paint a picture that is healthy. In every single area of your life, especially the intimate life. And to revisit our picture of what happiness and intimacy really looks like. And for that, we need to reconsider. Yeah, most times we don't get into hurtful situations because we don't care. And it's not because we're just having fun or we're not considering um, the consequences. That's not why. Most times we get into hurtful situations because we are unaware of purpose we're unaware of the purpose of intimacy we're unaware of the purpose of God in our lives we're unaware of what intimacy was designed to be and so um, today we want to talk about this because we believe that our spirits are our, and our bodies are intertwined it all works together. God designed it in a way that it all works together. And we want to talk about intimacy and happiness in relationships. And we want to um, set you up to have the least amount of regrets in life possible. Right? Because we believe God designed intimacy not to be a risk, but to be something that is pure, that's holy, that's favorable, that, is, that makes you come alive even. We believe that God designed it and it's beautiful and it's pure and he designed it so that there's an avenue for husbands and wives to experience true oneness. That's how he designed it. And so as part of this, um, of this and as, as a follower of Jesus, you will learn, I think, or you will begin to feel that you will have higher standards. There are different standards as a follower of Jesus. Not because of condemnation, not because God requires of you, but because from the, the life of God inside you will set up different standards. It will come out from, from, in, out, from the inside out. And there's a passage that we want to share with you. It's, it's in Ephesians 2, verse 3 to 4. And it says, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin, 
He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. See, as, as a transformation progresses and as the life of God in you begins to shape you and mold you, what God does is he fills you. See, he begins to fill you from the inside out. And so the things that, that, that you were searching as fulfillment, now God takes center peace. Right? So when God becomes the center of your life, what happens is you don't have to search for fulfillment elsewhere because God fulfills you, right? And so the things that you were searching for, that you looked here and there to, to, to kind of relieve the pain, right? Sometimes we feel a lack of love and because we feel a lack of love, we search for love in all the wrong places. And sometimes we feel a lack of acceptance. And so because we feel that lack, we search for it in the wrong place. And that, the list goes on. The lack of self-worth, the lack of self-esteem, past hurt, past pain, past regrets, all of that. Our search for fulfillment, right, ends us in the arms of the wrong people. When God wants to come in and fulfill us and he wants to take center place in our heart. And when God begins to fill our hearts, we don't need to search for fulfillment anywhere else. Because he is enough. He is all loving. And so you will begin to see that there's purpose in every area of your life. There's purpose in that specific area as well of intimacy, of sexuality, of, of, of love, right? There's purpose in every area. There is purpose in marriage. There's purpose in, in who you are and how you were created. And so today we're going to talk about this and you're going to discover a better way to live. That's the goal. That's the goal. Now, that transformation that Aline is talking about is accompanied by an understanding. There's an understanding in your mind and in your heart that redefines what you live by. It really does. And it's a, it's a transformation from within. It's not from anything that somebody from a, a podium or a pulpit or a connect group can tell you or put on you. It comes from, from within. And you begin to realize that if you are really alive in Christ, like the scripture says, if there's this new life in you, what is your source? Right? What, what are you going to live by? Are you going to live by your natural senses or are you going to live by your spiritual senses? Are you going to live by impulses and cravings like the animal kingdom does? Or are you going to live by a higher purpose, this higher purpose that you now understand that you have, that you now you understand that you're called to? See, this is not, like I said, about forcing a type of template of life on you. You know, the, the, a big part of, of uh, the approach on religion does that. Like, tell me a list. Give me, give me the good and the bad and tell me the yes and the noses. But this is not about giving you no's or giving you don't do this. This is about your transformation from the inside as you pursue a greater life. As you pursue growing in God. As you pursue. So it's not whipping you into shape with the rule of law, even though this might be a moral law. Okay? This is about purpose. Your purpose. And it's about choosing the better route for your life. So let's talk about sex. <laughs> let's talk about intimacy. Everybody had this song come up in their head. <laughs> oh, what song? I don't know. Let's talk about sex, baby. I was a Christian growing up. <laughs> I was not. <laughs> I only have worship songs in my mind. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Listen, we'll try not to blush today, okay? But we will try to make you blush. Okay, this is our goal today, to make you blush. 
Okay, listen, uh, we've obviously this message we're going to share with you is based on scripture. It's based on, you know, our study of the scripture and but we've read from other people who are way more smarter than we are. And one of the books that we want to recommend before we continue, which a lot of what we're sharing comes from and inspired by, is a book called Cheat Music. It's uh, written by Dr. Kevin Lehman, uh, Sheet Music, and I totally, highly recommend it. It's very explicit, okay? He goes into plenty of details. He's, he's a doctor, so he, he has the... And it's a believer. He's a believer. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's very, but it's very uh, comprehensive. That's the polite word for it. yeah. So it's important to note that, you know, sex and sexuality is all over the scriptures. We're not like going beyond our boundaries here. In fact, I believe churches don't talk enough about it. Because if you read the, the New Testament and the Old Testament, it's all over. Whether it's implied because of uh, someone, else, uh, someone else's life and their shortcoming. Or like in the letters of Paul and, and Peter and uh, uh, John. And it's, it's there the new, in the New Testament. It, it's all over. And I believe there's a purpose uh, why it's there. First, it's because sex is a powerful thing. It's really powerful. And intimacy is meant to be a powerful thing. But like any other thing that's powerful, it can do much good. It can bring a lot of joy and a lot of excitement. But it can also cause damage. It can cause deep damage that can, can affect the rest of your life if it's misused and used for the wrong purpose. I mean, we have legal laws in our country that avoid people of engaging in sexual activity that it's, you know, immoral and bad and, you know, violent. I mean, there's people being brought up on the news now because of misconduct. Why? Because sex is, sex is this powerful thing and you know, our attitude toward it is powerful. But I believe mainly and, and primarily it, it is included in scriptures because God designed it and he has a purpose for it. There's a purpose to your sexuality. There's a purpose to someone's sexuality. And uh, uh, married to that, the second reason why I believe it's all over the scriptures, it's because sex is meant to be part of a context in our lives. It's entirely uh, part of a context. And if you are not a church person and you walked in here today, and this is your first service. Welcome. Welcome. We're going in, all right? <laughs> We're going in. You know, we're about hope and love and encouraging and love. you, but come back next week. You'll get a better picture of who we are as a church. <laughs> but if you are new to this, or if you are a complete stranger to a God life, or some people call it a religious life, which is two different things, but you, you might be surprised to, to realize that people who follow God, people who seek God and want to live a godly lifestyle, make a connection between prayer and sexuality. You might wonder, like, what does one has to do with the other? Like, why, why does somebody make sexual choices based on their religion? It makes no sense why your body and what you do with your body affects how you pray. No, it's the other way around. Your relationship with God begins to shape every single part of you, especially this very, very strong inner part of you. So for followers of Jesus, and if you're here today, and I don't know, maybe you're dating a Christian, but you're not a Christian, you will realize that, you know, for Christians, that the, 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 if you follow Jesus, his rela the relationship with him shapes every part of you. And for a Christian, there's no such thing as casual sex. There's no such thing as, as a casual approach 
to sexuality. Why? Because there's an understanding on the inside that sex has a purpose. So let's talk about the purpose. In Scripture, and I'm going to share biblical base here for you today, okay? In Scripture, or I learned from Scripture, is that the purpose of sex, there's two purposes. One is for oneness and intimacy between, uh, you know, two people. One, one is an intimacy, and the second one is legacy. We find it in Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, this scripture. Therefore, a man shall leave his wife, his father, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And there is a wonderful description. Listen, we have a lot to go over uh, today. But if you want to talk about oneness and intimacy, I don't think there's a better way to describe in four words what oneness and intimacy looks like. Naked and not afraid. Naked and not ashamed. It's a wonderful description of what intimacy really is. Completely bare. Completely open. Unashamed. Entirely uh, open. That should probably be the next uh, relationship series title, right? Naked and, Naked and not ashamed. We could make t-shirts. <laughs> it would defeat the purpose, wouldn't it? We'll think about it. Soul naked. Maybe. maybe oh, yeah. Inside. Well, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to stream live. No, I'm kidding. And the second part, the part of legacy, the part of legacy we see uh, in the scripture, Genesis 1 verse 28. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. See, legacy, continuation, survival, procreation is all part of God's purpose for sex. Now, this may sound archaic. If you read it and you hear it, it may sound archaic. But you talk to any parent today and is as current as it was 1,500, 2,000 years ago when it was written. Because there is as good as sex is, as great as intimacy is, as great as sexual intercourse is in bringing that kind of connection, deep connection between, you know, uh, the, the husband and the wife. It's, it does not compare to the moment your child is born. It does not compare to the moment you hold your kid in your arms. And one depends on the other. You can't have a child without sex. So sex is good. Intimacy is good. But there is a purpose of procreation in it too. And the context, the context, if you consider legacy and you consider the context of uh, uh, se sexuality within the, the, the primary purpose, which is oneness and legacy, you will realize that the purpose of sex meaning oneness and legacy, can only truly flourish in a context. And the context that we learn from scriptures is the context of marriage. This is what Jesus said. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. It sounds like we just read this, right? But this is in Mark chapter 10. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. See, I love this scripture because Jesus is going back to Genesis. And this, I, I could spend another message on this, but what Jesus makes use of here, of it here, uh, to going back to Genesis is what is called in hermeneutics as the law of first mention. See, he's being challenged 
if you read earlier in the scripture, he's being challenged by religious leaders because they want an out. They want to be able to divorce at will, right? So they come to Jesus trying to trap him with the law of Moses. And Jesus makes use of the law first mentioned. What is he doing? He's going back. What does the law first mention uh, says? It informs us that whatever is mentioned first, when, when something is mentioned first in the scriptures, it shapes every subsequent mention, subsequential mention of that subject. So Jesus is going before whatever Moses wrote in the law. And he says, well, the law is shaped by this principle. And here's the principle. You have not gotten it. It's not about permission. It's not about whatever is lawful or not. It's a matter of the heart. The nature of the oneness that, that you, you get in, 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 in sex, in sexual intercourse, is so deep that the two become one. It's meant for that. So you guys are missing the point. Basically, that's what he's saying. Whatever is written informs it first. So Jesus goes back to the beginning, and he declares that it's a heart matter. Now, I do believe this. And this is a personal conviction of mine. Like I said, this is not something that we're trying to put on you. Or, you know, I, I believe that. And I've seen it happen in other people where they come to this conviction when they have a relationship with God. But what I'm speaking to you today, what I'm sharing with you today is something that we've lived. You know, and something that I believe. I truly believe this. See, we, when we got married, uh, we waited until marriage. And you might be here like, JD, oh, no, I thought you were cool, man. Yes. I thought you were cool, JD. I'm sorry to disappoint you guys, <laughs> but this is something we lived, you know, we're preaching something that we have lived here, uh, and we did that not, not because, you know, we, we, we had some kind of, of, of religious guilt in our hearts, it's because we were looking at our situation, we knew that a lot was at stake, plus our parents are friends, and like if, you know, if this goes south, it's like things can get really ugly, um, so, you know, and, 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 and we went through the process. I mean, we dated for a year, a month, a week, and a day before we got married, including engagement. But prior to that, we prayed for eight months. We don't count it as dating because we weren't official, but we prayed for eight months. There was a lot at stake. I had to call the ministry, and even though I was young, I was certain about it. And she had a full ride to UConn on her way to medical school. She had a full academic scholarship. She's a really smart cookie. Right? So she's in Connecticut. I'm not in Connecticut. I'm in Brazil. And we're, you know, we meet and we feel like there's something there, that something's godly. So there's so much at stake. We present it all to God and we prayed firm in this so that when we made the decision to get married, it was a decision that was tested, thought out, and it was intentional. Did we fall in love? Yes, we did. But you see people fall in love and fall out of love because they think it runs on autopilot. It doesn't, as we're going to see in a little bit. We fell in love. We did. We allowed ourselves to fall in love. Yes. But we made a decision at that moment when we were, what was our age? You want to tell them? No. Nope. <laughs> you got to listen to the previous recordings, okay? Well, I was 19. She was 20. Uh, <laughs> Uh, at that age, we, we were sure, you know, we were sure, like people around us were, well, you guys are getting married this young? Are you sure? There's more fish in the pond. No, you know, she's the one, I am sure. And we got married because we had the means. We had the emotional means, the spiritual means, and the financial means to get married. And so we decided that we were going to remain in love. 
And we made the decision to do so. And on that glorious night, my eyes were opened. <laughs> Listen, maybe you believe you've believed differently your whole life. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've, this to you sounds like something from another planet. Maybe you might think, J.D., are you sure you weren't Amish growing up? It's a bad joke. I don't even know anything about the Amish people. I'm sorry. I might need to cut this off the recording. Yes. Cut. <laughs> but maybe you're here and you, you grew up in a completely different standard. And I got to tell you, listen, if you're pursuing a relationship with God, at one point or another, it's going to affect your sexuality. I've seen it again and again. And it's not anything that anybody's going to put on you. Maybe you've seen it happen to friends where you're like, oh, you're all religious now. And you think that, oh, they were part of that people, that group of people. And now, you know, they brainwash that person. That's not how it happens. That's not how it's meant to happen. Yeah. It's meant to happen from a place in your heart where you realize that you have a purpose. And that you're supposed to live for something. And this thing that God gave you, your sexuality, is supposed to be fruitful and amazing and beautiful and safe. There you go. Go ahead, babe. Okay. <laughs> when it comes to marriage, um, we want to shed light on some important things. So I'm going to talk to the wives in the room. For, um, but first, before I go there, I want to talk to uh, the singles. Now take note, my friends, my dear, my dear friends. Culture is trying to push you in one direction. It's trying to tell you um, how, you know, the things you should be doing or shouldn't be doing. It's... Um, Especially if you're a student, I mean, there's just so much going on in schools and so much going on in the world and your friends, you know, trying to pressure you into this and then to pressure you into that. And I want to tell you something that is not the best for you. You know, whatever they're trying to tell you, or whatever they're pushing you towards or telling you that you should behave this way or that way. Um, it's just, it's not good. And we, we, we watch, we have been, you know, watching Hollywood implode with the terrible things that are happening and, and you know, the, the behaviors that are just, it's just misconduct. And it's, you know, it's bad for both parties involved and it's not healthy sexual behavior and it's not the standard. And I want to tell you that that's not, it's not needed. You know, you don't need to do this or do the other to be cool. You don't need to, um, you know, behave a certain way. Or I've heard this before. Oh, you need to know what you're getting into. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't need to. Know. You don't need to. You don't need to, you know, get a preview or get better or practice for your wife. Like, you don't need any of that stuff. That is not healthy. And it is not the best for you. So, you know what? I'm going to encourage you this morning to let God shape your sexuality. And not what your friends, not culture, not TV, not the porn industry, not the movies we watch, not the TV shows. Let God shape that area of your life because I guarantee you that the outcome of that will be much better. Yeah. Right? Will be much better because your friends, they'll come and go and then they'll be like, oh girl, you know. But God will, will always steer you in the right direction. So I'm going to encourage you to let God shape that as well as every other area of your life. So relax, sit back, kick the pressure to the side, and say, God, you got me. You'll find my husband, or you'll find my wife, and we're good, okay? Having said that, ladies, hey, wives. I'm gonna, if I could see your eyes, it would be even better. So we're going to talk about, I'm going to give you some food for thought, because I know you're a wonderful wife. 
but I want you to be even better. I want you to be the greatest wife your husband will ever have because you're the only wife he will ever have. Okay? All right. Um, when it comes to sexuality, now men are more sexual, but women are more sensual. Okay? Men are more sexual, women are more sensual. Now while your husband does you know, need your emotions, like while your husband does need your emotions, he also needs your body. Can I be real? He will not receive the emotions without the body. He needs both. Praise Jesus. All right? <laughs> Speak, Lord. <laughs> he needs both. He needs your emotions and he needs your body. And can I tell you, ladies, you are the only legitimate avenue for which your husband can fulfill his sexual desires. You're the only legitimate resource are you for your husband. That? You are it. So if he has desires, he wants you, right? He wants you. He wants to fulfill, and he should want to fulfill all of his desires with you. You are it. And so it's very important that, um, to keep your relationship, relationship free from any hindrances. And what I mean by that is because we are so in our heads with like thinking about everything and everything and then, right? So it's important to keep the relationship apart from that with my task list and everything else I have to do. But also with manipulation and accusation and using sex as a weapon. So you do this for me and I'll do that for you right or oh he didn't do that for me then I'm not he's not gonna get any what does he think right I have watched I have seen women use sex as a manipulation tool where I get my way then you get some but if I don't get my way you don't get any right or everything else that's going on and sex is not coercion it's not having your way it's not manipulation it is part of something and it's very intimate and it's meant to be shared and enjoyed by both you know statistically speaking Men have higher sex drive than women. That's not the case in every relationship. There is the other way around as well. I'm talking about statistics. Statistically speaking, they have a higher sex drive. Which means that men are probably more in the mood or wake up in the mood before you do. Right? And that's, that's important to know. That's important to realize. And that's important to prepare for. And it's important to realize that your husband has needs. Now, I hate when, when you know, women kind of like... Culture uses this, oh, he has needs, you got to take... That's not it. Physiologically, he is designed in a way that might have more needs, more sexual needs than you. Be aware of that is what I'm encouraging you to this morning. And while for us women, our emotions drive our physical part, right? How we're feeling has a lot to do with what we'll want to do or not do. Well, for men, their physical will drive everything else. <laughs> Their physical will drive their emotional part, okay? So realize that. And now, a rejected husband, I know that Dr. Kevin Lehman writes this, and I, it's, it's, it's good to remember. A rejected husband won't forget about sex because you do, okay? A rejected husband won't forget about sex because you do. Remember that. Rejection in this arena for a man will affect every arena of his life, including confidence, Right? It will affect his self-confidence to do his best everywhere else. To be the better father, at work, accomplishment, goals, dreams. Being rejected in that area will affect the other ones as well. So it's important to pay attention to that. Another thing, ladies, I want to tell you that you're not going to want to hear from me, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Is that you're a lot more like your mom than you think. Yeah. 
See, by this I mean if you watched your mom reject your dad, right? Or when he went to touch her, pinch in the butt, you know, and you went like, right? You did one of those. Or when you're like, not in front of the kids, right? If you watched, if you grew up watching your mom do that, the chances are you do the same. And often, chances are your behavior is kind of the same. If, there wasn't, if sex wasn't talked about in the house, if it was shameful, if it was a subject that, you know, your mom or your, they, like it was a hidden thing in the house, chances are you carry those things, right? So I want to encourage you to pay attention to what you saw when you grow, grew up and realize what you're doing. Because when we talk about kids, you know, it's shameful, the kids, the kids, the kids. Well, let me tell you, kids who grew up in, in houses where the parents love each other and demonstrate love are happier, healthier, mm -hmm. and more self-confident. Uh, self um, research has shown this. So it's not your kids can't see it. No, obviously there is appropriate. But please do not, in the name of appropriate, send rejection messages to your spouse right oh I'm trying to be appropriate not in front of the kids well actually they would be better watching you love your husband mm -hmm. they will be better off watching you love him and you wouldn't be sending these messages of rejection of they'll touch me I don't want you or you know what I mean you can demonstrate love throughout the day and you can allow your husband to love you and to demonstrate that he's thinking about you you will feel loved and he will feel loved right so please don't go in the name of like I'm trying to be appropriate there is appropriate but there's also I, rejection so I'll throw it out that way um and also ladies here's the, the 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 last thing I know you have a million things in your head and if you work outside of the house and if you go to school and you have so many things that you're taking care of and so many things you're handling and, and as a woman again we're more emotional than we are physical right so we're tired physically I mean emotionally spent right and so you're like I'm tired I don't want to think about something else I, it's another thing for me to do I want to encourage you this that if you're to if you're a list person and you make your list of chores and stuff you know because that's what you like to do um if you're schedule yourself out many people go oh I shouldn't be doing this I shouldn't schedule sex because you know what schedule it put it on your list as the first make it something you think about and you think about often okay make it a priority in your life as your number one okay because there's benefits not only for him but for you right well you when you feel loved when you feel like your husband loves you when you feel like your connection is good when you don't have this man who's trying to take from you but you are freely giving because that's the intimacy part that's the ask you know your that exchange is happening things will be better in your life in your house in your emotions right this intimacy thing wasn't something God created for man only it wasn't oh go ahead satisfy him and get go keep going no this is about you as well and this is about what's going on and being well loved let your husband love you okay he's the only man that should be loving you with his whole heart so let him love you and you accept receive that love right let the exchange and so for some women I know because you have a million things in your mind and people tugging you at you in all directions and wanting if you need to put it on your calendar put it on your calendar if you need to put it on your to-do list put it on the list because it will be in the forefront of your mind buy the nice lingerie buy something that makes you feel sexy that makes you feel hot that makes you feel like you look good and let him appreciate you it will do wonders for you Now, fellas, 
after you're done praising the Lord for that. <laughs> when it comes to sexuality, I'm going to repeat it. You know, women are more sensual. Men are more sexual. And that, that difference is not that one is not the other. It's just they're more sensual than we are. It just means that they're a little bit more evolved and refined than we are. Okay? They're a little bit more fine-tuned. And we have to do our part to make sure that intimacy is full and unhindered. To make sure that, that she feels connected. That she feels wholly appreciated. That she feels like she's one with you. And for women, the physical part of the relationship is completely tied to the emotional part of the relationship. You cannot divide the two. You know, you can't, can't be harsh and quiet and in your corner. And then when time comes, you're just like, so hey, you want to have some fun? You know? It can't, it can't happen that way. See, sex, sex is not something you demand. It's not. Now, we've covered the five love languages two weeks ago. And, you know, so I'm not going to belabor on this. But love her well. Love your wife well, listen to her. Truly listen. Listen to her thoughts. Listen to her dreams. Listen to what she has to say and be present. Share your entire life with her. And here's a note for, for husbands and wives. You know, there's no part of you that should be off limits to your spouse. There's really no part of your life that should be off limits. That, sh that there should be oneness. Now, obviously, this is within what is appropriate like if you, if you signed a confidentiality agreement at work and you can't share certain things about your project don't do it right when when people counsel with us like there's the the, the clergy uh, uh what is it called privilege. Uh, clergy clergy privilege privilege if it's if it's supposed to stay anonymous in the secret not even a judge can can take it out of me or her so we don't share with each other that stuff so within the scope of your ability, share your entire life with your wife. See, if you're going through something at work and it's keeping you down and you're on the, on the, for the sake of the home. Because sometimes we keep it to ourselves. We bury it right there deep in the heart. And we think it's not affecting. But see, women are more perceptive than that. They know something is going on. And it's better to clarify and say, hey, no, you just have this really difficult thing going on at work. If you can't share it, at least give her something so she knows what's going on. Instead of thinking, no, I don't want to bring this home because I don't want to cloud my home with negativity. Well, you know, if you're going to be hiding things, that's worse. It's worse than letting her know that you're going through something. Invite her into your life. Don't think that you need to be strong emotionally and have no weaknesses. That's, that's, that's not true. That's not real. You know, you shouldn't shield your wife from your weaknesses. Your wife from your weaknesses. Let her in. Tell her you love her. Tell her you love her. You might say, oh, J.D., I already did that 10 years ago when I proposed. <laughs> no. Tell her you love her every day. Tell her she's beautiful. Tell her she's desirable. Tell her you believe in her. You know, discover what pleases her. Discover what is good for her. Romance your wife. Date your wife. Pursue your wife. You know, while some women like routine, and some women, you know, if that's your thing, that's okay. Some women, some women enjoy going to the same restaurant, ordering the same dish, sitting at the same table, you know, watching the same movie, going to the same movie theater. And, and it might be okay. But for most, the most part, they like to be surprised. They like to think that you, to know that you put some thought into it. It's not really about the thing. It's about your thought. It's about you thinking about her. It's about you demonstrating your love. So do that. 
You know, if you, come up, if you come home with the same set of flowers, same box of chocolates, every anniversary, and you've been doing that for seven years, unless it's your thing, and it's the chocolate that you really like getting every anniversary, by year three, you probably started feeling like an afterthought. Okay, and maybe you go through hoops to do the same thing. But surprise her a little bit. Give her a little, a little extra, you know, take her to a little to a new restaurant, surprise her with a date night, buy her something just because. It doesn't have to be expensive, but it just shows that you were thinking about her. You know, when you get home, don't plant yourself on the couch and hum, uh-huh, once in a while. <laughs> you know, engage. Let her know that her news is more interesting and important to you than the news. Let her know that you want to hear from her, that you're interested in her life because for women sex begins in the mind it begins with the thoughts the emotion it begins with intentionality sex begins with conversations with openness it begins in the kitchen with you preparing her breakfast it begins with at the table with you sharing your thoughts with her talking to her it begins uh, with with you listening to her sharing your heart Middle of the day, out of nowhere, just sending her a text. Hey, I'm thinking about you. Have you on my mind? You know, women are sensual. What does that mean? They're more connected to the senses. You know, so just love her through that. Give her something good to eat. Okay? Smell good. Put on a good shirt. All right? Take a shower once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> But massage her back. Massage her shoulders. Rub her feet. Sit by the fire with her. Whisper sweet nothings in her ear. Hold her. All right? Hold her tight. It's still right? church, guys. Yes. <laughs> Man, seriously, take a shower before bed, okay? Take a shower before you jump into bed with her. You might think you're a lion, but you're smelling like a raccoon. <laughs> And it's really hard to get it on with a raccoon, okay? All right? See, women, physiologically, they have higher senses in, her, in, her, in, their, in their ability to smell. And they're sensual, so a smell can throw her off. You could do it by the garbage can. <laughs> She can't, all right? Did I go too far there? No. <laughs> I'll finish with this thought, all right? Do all that because you love her. Don't do it because you're trying to get some. See, they are, they are smarter than us and they're clever. You're not as clever. Okay? Do it because you love her. Do all this because you love her. And you will see. She will know. And you will see the transformation in your home. Ain't that right, babe? That's right, babe. 16 years. Woo. <laughs> um, what is the marriage of your dreams worth to you? Think about that for a minute. What is the marriage of your dreams worth to you? Because I, I ask because we've said this over and over. Marriage is a discipline. Marriage is a discipline. It takes time. It takes investment. It will not just happen. And so our goal in this whole series for you guys has been to give you tools so that you can invest time and energy and put it to work and put it to use. Um, you, may, you must take time to better yourself. You, may, you must take time to learn your partner. You must take time with patience. You have to have patience. Guys, it's not doing it once or twice. 
None of the things that we've told you is, okay, I did it once. It didn't work. Peace out. Keep going. No. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes investment. It takes loving and loving well for a long period of time. Consistency is key. Right? Marriage is a discipline. And I want to tell you, for the, for the singles in the room, right? Are you the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? Are you? I mean, would you marry you? For the married people in the room, for the women, do you, I mean, what is it like to be married to you? Just think about that for a minute. What is it like to be married to you? Are you easy to be married to? Or are you a difficult person? Sometimes you can't even stand yourself. Right? I mean, sometimes we have to look in the mirror. I mean, I love you guys and I, you know what I mean. But sometimes we have to look in the mirror. Are we, are we making it easy for our spouse to love us? Or are we just a pain in the rear? Right? Because here, here's the part where we come, you know, we want to talk about happiness for a little bit. Friends, love is a choice. Marriage is a choice. And happiness is a choice. We tell our daughters this often. Happiness is a choice. Choose to be happy. Okay, your spouse is not going to make you happy. Your spouse is going to contribute to the happiness inside you. Okay? Now, I'm one of those people. Like I said, we're, we're emotional beings. But I'm one of those people that can get in funks. Right? You know, those people that kind of like. And so I have had moments in my life where I have been in a funk. And my husband never changed. He's always been great. And no matter what he did to try to get me out of that, he couldn't. Because the funk was inside me. The unhappiness was inside me. I was stuck in my thoughts. And I was, you know, eating myself up or blaming myself or feeling accused. Or whatever was going on inside me was going on inside me. And no matter what he did, that, that didn't change. Because happiness has to come from inside you. You have to make the decision that you will not allow any outside things to come in and keep you from being happy. Right? Happiness comes from inside. Your spouse is not going to do it. So a happy marriage means two happy individuals. Two individuals who have made the decision that no matter what is going on around us, inside I have peace, I have joy, I have purpose. I was called for something, whether I know what I was called for or not, whether everything is lined up or not, whether things are figured out or not, that doesn't matter. It's in here, right? So you choose that you are going to be happy and then you, your marriage will be happy because two happy individuals coming together will put in the effort and put in the work to make things go smoother and make things go better. And we've given you tools you know, in this series, and I just wanted you, want you to know, on the, on the practical side of happy, I want to give you one practical tool before, one practical tool for happiness. If you have a hard time with being happy, the problem is you have a hard time being grateful. That's the problem, okay? So, here is your practical tool. If happiness is not one of your fortes, I want you to get a journal paper a notebook a tiny note whatever and every day go in there and write things that you're grateful for big things and small things the sunshine today I'm grateful for that the, the rain the, the the bird that was singing outside my window that made me feel peaceful whatever large small doesn't matter every day get in the practice of finding gratitude I'm grateful for this I'm grateful for that I'm grateful because you will begin to see within time 
that that'll change you from the inside out, right? So if your problem is happiness, your problem is actually gratefulness. We probably have people in the room who have come from a variety of belief systems. And maybe you've never been told or never seen a model for your life or what a healthy relationship looks like. And you have expectations from relationships that go beyond the scope of what a relationship is meant to be. So our heart for this series, remember we started by saying that every healthy relationship has two components, mutual responsibility and mutual respect. The heart for us is to know that if, if you are whole, if you're restored, you know, you, you, you will enjoy a good relationship. And for this whole series, our prayer and desire is that relationships may be healthy, restored, and may last a long, long time. So if you're here this morning, you might have come from a different belief system. You might have thought things differently. And, and maybe you're wrestling with, with what to do with your life. Or maybe you're not even there yet. This is where we all converge. We all have a purpose. And God has a purpose for every single one of us. And if you're here this morning and you're listening to the, the message, and it's a very specific message we gave today on intimate relationships. But you've been following this series and you're thinking about your hopes and dreams for a future with somebody, raising kids, you know, that core element of family and life. And you have fears, you have doubts, you have things on the inside that tug you away from what you really hope to accomplish. I want to help you this morning to push past beyond that and attach your faith and hope to God. Because His purpose for your life is not just connected to your time of prayer or your, the times you attend church on Sundays or the moments where you're in a connect group. The, his purpose for your life is comprehensive. It, it, it embodies your entire being, including the, that most intimate part of you. So this morning, I want to encourage you that if you're not in a relationship with God, that's where you start. You start by activating that relationship. You start by pursuing that life. That life that makes us alive in Christ. Like we read in the scriptures. That takes away all the stuff that's keeping us bound. See, there's a lot of bondage in emotions. In emotional, in relationships, and even in sexuality. And some of you might not know how to get freed from that. You know, there's stuff that, you, that you've suffered in the past or maybe stuff that you've done in the past that you go I don't know how to get that get rid of that I don't have the strength to pa go past the hurt and the pain and or or even the practice of what I'm engaged in see God can help you with men things are impossible might be impossible but with God all things are possible can, can I invite you to stand this morning do you receive this message this morning amen yes